to Bespoke Speaks. This is Christine, and I'm sitting here with a good friend and colleague of mine, Jeanette Smith. Hi, Jeanette. Hello. I'll just tell you a little bit about Jeanette. Jeanette and I know each other from working together at a drama school called Arts Ed, where she was head of acting and I was the voice tutor, and we worked quite closely together on projects with students. And Jeanette's also a director. So Jeanette, would you like to say a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been a director uh, by trade for about 20 years already. I began um, with my own theatre companies, and it was quite a physical theatre companies originally. I worked on the Fringe in London, um, but I was always interested in new writing. Mm. And so um, I applied for the Regional Theatre Young Director Scheme, which is still going, which is a fantastic scheme for young directors. And I got picked up by the Royal Court. Mm. And... Um, I spent a couple of years with them, and then I continued working in new writing, um, but at the same time directing classics in drama schools, and that's where I became really interested in actor training mm. and working with the young actors and what it is to be an actor and what you need mm. to tell stories. Um, and then I slowly moved into becoming a tutor at um, Arts Ed and uh, then head of acting. Mm. And now I'm freelancing. Wonderful. Yay. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So I wanted to hear your opinion, Jeanette, from your directing perspective mm -hmm. on what are you looking for vocally from actors that you're working with? I suppose what I need when I'm um, embarking on a piece of theatre is that I'm working with people who know their instrument mm. so that they know how to use it. Mm. So, and they know how to use it to the best of their ability so that the instrument can make the best music. Mm. And within that storytelling, if I as a director are trying to push them in different directions, they know how to keep safe with it. Yeah, I find it very difficult as a director to know each individual how far you can push somebody vocally mm. and what you need for to have that creative dialogue with an actor. It's for them to say... Actually, I need to rework this mm -hmm. because I need to be able to sustain it. Mm -hmm. And so that we find the best way to tell that story that is vocally safe and vocally the most uh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, so there's something in there about the responsibility on their part. And also there's a dialogue between you going on. Yeah, of, absolutely. Well, this is what would be that this is what would serve the story, but mm. also if it's not feeling safe or if it's not feeling sustainable, they need to know their voices well enough to be able to tell you that Yes. so that it can be reworked in a way that it's still serving the story, yeah. but it's also sustainable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there's nothing worse from a director's point of view. You can hear somebody really going for it and shouting, and yeah. they can support them, themselves with a really loud volume of filling the space. But you go, oh, that sounds, that's not a good sound. I'm not enjoying that sound. And the actor go, no, it's fine. And you have an enough sort of experience to say, I don't think that is fine. Mm. And ultimately the actor goes, no, no, because they don't want to let you down. Yeah. But actually you can hear. And I think actually, again, that um, the audience can hear that too. Yeah, absolutely. So it takes the audience out of the story. So you're not... As a director, you're not just doing it um, for your comfort. Mm -hmm. You're doing it for the comfort and the storytelling of 
the audience because they will soon stop if they think an actor is hurting themselves, yeah. whether physically or vocally. So true. We can hear that. Yeah. We can actually hear it because we start to, it's those mirror neurons that we have. Like yeah. We start to feel uncomfortable. We might even start to, like, without knowing it, feel tension in our throats yeah. just because of how somebody else is using their voice. And actors get really confused on this one because mm -hmm. they do think like, oh, well, I'm trying to be real or I'm, I'm really, you know, th this is what would actually happen in real life. But just because it would happen in real life, it's not real life. It's not real life. That's the thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a story it's a craft. and it's a craft to tell that story in a way that's safe. Yeah. I was just talking about this with second years the other day of nobody enjoys watching somebody hurt themselves no. on stage like that's not why we go to the theater no uh so anything even things like screaming and shouting i think some people think they have to hurt themselves mm. in order to do those things yeah but actually because the character's going there and you think yeah the character is but you're not but you're not and you have to do it eight times a week yeah so there has to be a healthy way to do it and yeah. there is a healthy way to do it if you know how to use your support you can yeah. make any sound you want to make not yeah. just pretty sounds yeah um, and like you're saying, you have to know your instrument well enough to be able to make those sounds in a way that's not going to hurt you, but that's still going to tell the that story. The story. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely, there's absolutely no reason why anybody needs to hurt themselves. And it's such an interesting point you're bringing up that the audience doesn't want to watch that. No. And it actually might even take them out of the story and start to be concerned for the actor yeah. <laughs> rather yeah. than being fully in what's happening. Yeah. yeah, and then they start to watch what the actors do in the technically, yeah. rather than allowing themselves to immerse in the story. Because there's um, a great misquote, I will misquote Yoshi Oida, who says, um, show me the moon, don't show me the actor presenting the moon. Mm -hmm. So nice you point. want, so the audience watch the actors, mm -hmm. but actually they go on their own imaginative journey. Yeah. And if we're watching the actor technically going, oh, they're so good. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing is going, look, look how they can make their voices go up and down and look how, de you know, uh, dexterous they are. Mm -hmm. We're watching them technically. We're not watching the story they're telling. Mm -hmm. So for me, a, a really interesting dynamic actor sort of becomes invisible on stage. Yeah. And the story takes over. Mm -hmm. And that means vocally as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you talk to me more about that invisibility? Like, how, how does one find that invisibility? It doesn't even have to be vocal. I'm just curious. I suppose it's about in tuning with the whole story, trusting the story, trusting your fellow actors on stage, trusting the space that you're in, that it's going to hold the story. Know where your audience, listening to your audience, always that they're picking up the story. And just enjoying that journey, mm. um, being very comfortable in the story that you're in. Mm. So you're never feeling that, oh, where am I? What's going to happen next? Do I know my lines? Mm -hmm. It's got to be that you have worked so hard. Mm. You know all the possibilities, that you have that sense of ease, mm. which we talk about vocally, which we talk about physically, mm -hmm. that you've done all the work. You have to leave the work at the end of the rehearsal and just go, okay, here it is. Yeah. And of course, in between each performance, you can then go, that really worked well, I might have to rework that. Mm. Or, But actually when you're in that moment, you're listening to your audience and you're listening to your fellow actors on stage because that's where the story happens. Mm. And the work has been done. And the work is, yeah. Yeah. And it's been recreated because you've 
everything is there. Mm. All the tools and all the scaffolding is all there and you can just play. Yeah. So to find that invisibility is really about the work that's happened beforehand. Yeah. And part of that work is obviously the acting work, but it's also the training, the, the training of the, yeah. the movement skills, the uh, applying the skills, the, the voice skills and yeah. applying those skills to this particular story yeah. so that you're really embodying it, yeah. which means that nobody's watching you technically because it's not about how technically well you can perform. Yeah. It's about how you're using your technique in service of the, the story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you bring up this word ease because again I was just having a conversation with some second year students mm. at Art Said the other day uh, and we were applying some work that they had done to some text and they still get confused sometimes be between ease and re total relaxation yeah yes and uh, I was working with a student who was finding a lot of ease mm. in his performance because he was breathing with the performance he was doing. And he said, yeah, but if I start applying objectives or actions to this, then I might not feel as at ease because the objective might not be an at ease place. Yes. And it, it's just interesting to hear you say that from a directing perspective, because what I said to him at the time was, you can do anything from mm. a place of ease, even yes. things that are awful to do or feel. But the actor yeah. is at ease, yes. not the character. The character. Not, and it's the character. So you, of course, you're going to have, the character has tensions. And, but if you know where they sit and you're placing them, mm. well, actually you're allowing your body mm -hmm. to still fuel that breath. Yes. Because it's a Patsy Rodenberg thing that she says you know the audience follow the actor's breath and we absolutely do so if the actor holds their breath mm -hmm. we do so if you're tense and you've got shallow breathing we'll shallow breathe even if you're meant to go oh, this is a great lovely summer's day and I'm breathing but actually I'm so nervous mm -hmm. that I've got this really shallow breath we're not going to believe you yeah absolutely. so it's about the actor has to be completely in control of their instrument yeah and that's what's fascinating I think that's what fascinated me about as a director going into actor training, mm. that I trained myself as well to go, what it, how can I make my work better? Mm. I can only make my work and my visions better if I understand what the actor's doing and what the actor needs to do mm -hmm. and how can I unlock actors. Mm. And the more I understand about voice and about movement and about um at connection, mm. the, the better my work is. Yeah. So it's a, you know, we know this. It's a collaborative process, mm. and if those uh, and those and we will have to take responsibility mm. for for that collaborative process, which means we have to take responsibility for our own roles within that collaboration. Mm -hmm. And actors have to take responsibility for their instrument. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because you bring up a great point. Character tensions are not the same thing as an actor being tense. Yeah while going through an experience. Absolutely. They have yeah. to find a way of grounding into that experience, yeah. of communicating, because the big difference between stage and real life is that in real life, if you're upset some, and somebody doesn't understand you while they're mm. talking, you, they can just say, what? Yeah. You know, but they can't do that when you're on stage. Yeah. So it has to still be clear, no matter the way you're telling yes. the story, it has to still be clear and it has to still be open. Yeah. And then you mentioned this other word, interesting. Tell me a little bit more what you mean by that. In what way, sorry? Um, I'm backing up a while now, but you mentioned something about uh, actors being also vocally interesting. In okay, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I suppose, 
again, it's about, I always, I, I, when I direct, I sort of use the sort of the metaphor of, of music, really. Mm. And it's about orchestrating um, the vocal score as well as a physical score. Mm. So, and I use Larbin quite a lot. Mm. So if, if you enter with sort of um, maybe a sustained and strong vocal quality, you've got to find the music to get through that scene that is a different note at the end. Mm. You may come back to that note, it may be that well scored, mm. but you have to find what that journey is. Mm. Now, if you haven't explored your vocal range, and some have a huge vocal range and some don't, mm. that's also fine. Mm. But it's about finding the textures within your vocal range, as well as um, the, the sort of the nuance and, and the pitch. Mm. So that, you know, I, I wouldn't say we have to go back to, you know, the sort of wobble of a voice, um, cadence of, we know of past because that's that was a different era mm. but I do think actors have to be um, aware of how much we listen mm. we're an audience mm-hmm. actually mm. you know we do watch spectacle but we absorb the sound of a word mm. as well as what the meaning is and we will go more on the sound than we will the meaning mm-hmm. because we're absorbing mm. um and so you, I think actors have to be real. I don't think they, a lot of actors don't believe how much an audience takes on that. You know, if, if you're playing something in a really rough tone, mm. we will make so many judgments mm. than if you play the same text with a lighter, softer tone. Mm. And it's about what are you trying to say and how are you playing it? Mm. Um, I think, and, and therefore you need to make, I suppose, and make it interesting sounds, there's a really bad director on that, make this interesting. But, you know, you, we, we're looking for... Um, the capacity uh, to yeah. connect, essentially, which will, I mean, as in, if you understand the story is, what the story is and what you're trying to convey through that story, even that, I mean, the music that you, and it's beautiful imagery, mm-hmm. then you need to have the ability for that to come to the table to play mm-hmm. just as much as your body can come to the table put it high on their list because mm. I think they get this is the word and this is what I'm physically doing so I just need to connect and mm. and when it comes naturally it's there yeah. but I don't think they think I need to technically just work all those colours in my voice mm-hmm. so that I know that they're ready just as I need to do a physical workout so that I know that my body is agile and flexible and therefore can um, move to the command of a, of a character and text. Yeah. And I always think they, they push that to a, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, mm-hmm. but they don't work it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder how we can, what, what mission we can start to <laughs> do <laughs> to that. What it's about. What well, well, it's that thing we'll be talking about. It's the actor's gym. What is your daily actor's gym? Yeah. Which I'm really interested in to start up. Which can be, okay, just have all these things mm. 
just on the boy. You've got. I mean, the thing with an actor is you have to be so multi-skilled. Yes, it's a hard job. It's a really tough yeah. job, and people think it's easy mm-hmm. because if um, it's done well, it looks easy. It looks really, really simple. Mm. Um, but it's like it's not that. No, it's it's so much. It takes a lot of craft. Yeah, and until you start to really dig into that. And that's why I think acts training, and that's why I love acts training actually, mm. is that it you have to apply it. It's rigorous. Mm. You're an athlete. Yeah. And it's interesting because acts often say, yeah, but I didn't really learn anything until I left school. Mm. No, you're learning more about the industry and how to act, but your instrument is now working for you. Yeah. And you have all that awareness. If you were walking into a rehearsal room and you had no idea what your instrument was doing. The director has to work in a very different way yeah. with unskilled actors. And that's not to say unskilled actors can't do it, but if they if they have no understanding of their body and their voice to any depth, there's only certain ways you can direct them. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's multi-skilled, you can work on a technical level, which is far, far superior, which is really exciting. Mm. That's so great to hear from your perspective. So kind of what I'm what I'm getting from this is that it's really important to just understand in an embodied way the instrument. So yes. knowing your own instrument, yes. what it can do, how it works, yeah. how you can do not just your, your normal everyday speaking, but how you can make a whole range of sounds. Yeah but also how you're applying that work to the text and to the story so that organically interesting things are starting to happen vocally in just the same way that you'd want interesting things to happen physically. Yes. And that this is, you know, not an easy job and it takes, it takes some skill development in order to do both of these things. But that when you do that, you're so much more exciting to work with from a directing perspective. And I'm just about to direct a new opera, which is really exciting. And when we were auditioning singers who were amazing, um, I had a, an experience, a very, very experienced practitioner in the room, and he asked every single of those opera singers, who is your teacher at the moment? Mm. And they would go, oh, I'm with so-and-so, and I've just moved with so-and-so. So they continuously work their craft and their vocal instrument. Now, mm. I, I know that's in a different vocal league in the sense that um, that that instrument needs to be yeah, worked. Yeah, it's a very particular, yes. yeah. particular way of working. But you bring up a really good point, that these things, it's like physically working out. It will yes. atrophy if you don't keep yeah. doing it yeah. because it's muscles. Yes. So, yeah, keeping up a sense of craft even after you leave drama training is really important yeah. and really beneficial, I think, for human beings generally as, yeah. well, as well as actors because yeah. it keeps you tuned in to what's, what's going on and makes you feel more empowered. And you know when you're tired then, when you're vocally tired mm-hmm. and you're human and I don't think we're in the culture now where we go well, we're going to work from 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night every night and exhaust the body. Mm-hmm. Because actually that's it's not helpful. Yeah. And so what we are trying to do, well, what I try and do is say, well, you, if your voice is tired, mm. then we need to accommodate that. But if you only, if you just go, oh, no, no, it's just um, brush it off. Mm. Actually, when you come to the end of the week, you've got no voice left. Yeah. And then 
it really does disrupt the rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and just on a sort of another side note, um, I suppose for anybody, and this is just purely me, when I listen to people auditioning, uh, I literally do listen mm. rather than watch. Mm. So, especially, and this, I don't know if people who are um, wanting to get into drama school mm. listen to this podcast, but what I tend to do is I can hear if they're connecting to the text. Mm. So I'm listening to the voice and the text and the story they're telling vocally. Because it's really hard. You don't know where you're auditioning. Sometimes it's in a cupboard. Sometimes it's in a huge room. You know, your body can move and just respond a little bit. But I know your body will move if your voice Mm. and your connection to the text is happening. I will look up. Of course I will look up. But I know if you're you are committed to that text and you understand what you're saying and I often uh, just have my ear to the person rather than constantly watch them Mm. Um, and I think that's uh, I think that's something for an actor to be aware of Mm -hmm. because if they just try and do some sort of action thing and this is me being a character it doesn't it doesn't work yeah Um, and you can see that very very clearly yeah and mm. hear through it very yeah. very clearly to your point yeah of it, it just sounds false yeah so interesting of what you're bringing up just in general of the importance of the auditory in live performance or in yeah. performance generally that we're so focused on what we see but actually what we hear is a huge part of that performance yeah it's a sensory performance mm-hmm. and we think about spectacle but actually our ears do a lot of the work. Yeah. On a different level, I think. Yeah. Well, and it's part of what we talk about in voice training as well. This is why somebody sounds different on a microphone than they do live, because you actually, it's not just that you're hearing, it's that you're feeling the vibrations of somebody's voice yeah. when it's live. Yeah. So there, it really is a, a whole body experience. Yes, yes absolutely. Mm. And that's why we want to see live theatre. Yeah. That, and, and that's why we want to see actors unmiked, actually. Yeah. So then we want them to have really good voices. Mm-hmm. If they haven't got really good voices, we don't trust that they've got good voices, we mic them. Yeah. And but it changes it the experience. The, because we, it, it doesn't work. Yeah, and it flattens it because we can't feel it. Yeah. We can hear it, but we can't feel it in the same way because yeah. the mic has distorted yes. the experience, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Oh, wow. Jeanette, this has been great. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Is there any way that people can, me too. <laughs> is there any way that people can find out about you or? I don't have a website yet, but okay. I am thinking of uh, setting up um, an actor's gym. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably by Instagram or something like that. Yeah. But okay. tweet. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your handle on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> If they just look up, if they Google Jeanette Smith, maybe it'll come yes. up. Yes. Yeah. Do you know, I'm going to be so much onto my social media <laughs> profile. Um, so, that, yeah. Don't worry. We could also type this in yeah. later, like as I'm advertising. Fantastic. I've got something set up. But yes. yes, Jeanette does want to set up an actor's gym. Yeah. So you should be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And you said you were directing something at the moment. 
So I am, um, it's an opera next year, but it's mm. a new opera. Mm. Um, and then I'm going back to Alba, actually, mm. um, in the new year to direct the show um, for the third week, which I'm very excited about. Mm. We'll go back into Broadway, Broadway Connected. Amazing. Um, so that's good. So yeah. they could find, they could potentially, if they're interested, go to Alba and see this production. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. What month is that going to be in? It's uh, February. February. Okay. So if you're interested, you can look into Alvar's website mm -hmm. and find out more information about that. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much, yeah. Jeanette. Thank it's you. been a true joy having you. And thank you for listening. I think this has brought up some really interesting themes. And if you have any questions about it, please email us at bespoke.com contact at gmail.com. Thanks very much. Bye.